Cause Connor, it's Cause Connor Cause Connor, it's Cause Connor He's got the hottest takes with the highest stakes He should be president of the United States But it's Cause Connor, it's Cause Connor Cause Connor, <laughs> We can just call it the corner Top Cat Corner called Cuss Corner. We have like intro graphics and everything. And a song that a viewer made, Tim. You should feel special. Yeah, well, if that was the first song that was ever made in my honor, perhaps, but it isn't. It's true. Gary and Thorne is here as well, as if you heard him on the line. That is Tim Undergust! Tim Undergust. It's not my name. Well, it is. It has a song and everything. That's why it's called Cuss Corner, and that's why it is your name. If it has musical accompaniment, it's real. I was playing that song at a Walmart when it was line. first made, and there was like an old homeless woman who was dancing to it. I think it brightened her day. Ah. Yeah. Listen, the, the song, I attribute Tim's popularity to the song. People love the song. I love the song. That was, this is not even really that much of a lie. I, I think it's pretty true, but I met you like seven years ago at this point. I don't even think you really said, hi, my name is Pat. You just said, hey, watch this. And it was just the Tim Hendercust song. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah, because at one point there was like a, what's the name of that song? Duck Sauce? Well, it's called Duck Barbara Soup. Stry- Duck Soup. It's called Barbara Streisand. Yeah, but it's by Duck Soup. But, but there was like a generator where yeah. you could put in anything that you wanted into it and it would say that, then do the thing. And then, boom, it yeah, was born. It is. With some terrible Habs graphics and Jets graphics. And yeah, which you can still stuck. find on the internet if you yeah. search Tim Hendercust. Please don't do that. Okay. Here's the thing. Here's how Cuss Corner works. We're five episodes in. You probably know about this already. Tim has a list of grievances. Because despite the fact that he just turned 30, he is a 90-year-old man. And he doesn't quite understand how the world works. And stuff bothers him. So, this is the place where Tim can vent and solve the world's problems. Tim, you're up. What do you got? Well, I have, as usual, a list of grievances and you can or irritations. And we can pick some or any or all Well, you these. just start with your favorite. Uh, well, I mean, I don't have a favorite. They're all annoying to me. Do you so have I'll s- go through them, and then you which, can decide. Go chronologically, then. All right. Well, I mean, I have my whole agitation with these new pop machines. I have these stupid spoons and the whole millennial culture. I've got Notre Dame playing at noon. Oh, I've got yeah. my problems with Kong Skull Island that I've recently watched. I have this Flat Earth Twitter account that I'm obsessed with following. I'm upset about Sears closing all kinds of stores. Which one would you like to talk about? I, 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 the thing is, I know where your stance on most of these. But I want to start with spoons. Yeah, I thought I thought I misheard that for a second. Please tell me about spoons. So there's a few places, particularly this one place in Melbourne, which is in Australia. Thanks. Which have been marked. Th- 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 everybody, th- thanks, Melbourne, geography Florida. prof. There's a Melbourne, Florida. So people could have thought I meant that. Well, if I thought about that, I assumed everyone was doing bath salts <laughs> out of their spoons. There's this new trend of boutique shops selling spoonfuls of Nutella. Spoon! Spoon! Do you just want to talk about the Tick cartoon instead? We could talk about your cold spoon theory if you'd rather. Listen, I'll give, I'll dish the advice on cold spoons later on in the episode. Maybe at the end of this. You remind me, okay? Okay, I'll write that down. Cold yeah. spoons. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so there's this whole, like, niche market of, you know, snacks. It's from the same sorts of people that brought you those stupid cake pop thingies. That, you know, people pay like $5 for a spoonful of Nutella mixed with like nuts or a spoonful of peanut butter with like caramel on it. And this is all part and parcel of this sort of millennial culture 
where you know people are wasting their money on stupid things rather than just if you want to eat Nutella, spend seven bucks and buy a jar. But of course, you know you've got these unicycle riding millennials who like to tell everybody that oh no, this is really the best way to enjoy Nutella. This is really the best way to enjoy these snacks is through artisanal spoons. And it got me worked up about this article in the New York Times yesterday, which said that you know the best ice cream you can actually have is the ice cream that you make yourself in an ice cream maker. I was just seething. I was so angry when I read There's that. No it was all part of the same problem. <laughs> this idea that the only way you can really experience the best type of something is if you have one of these expensive, fancy ice cream makers you can take to your house. That if you're not you know, rich enough to provide your family with an ice cream maker, I guess you have to slum it and go to Dairy Queen or go to you know, some other ice cream parlor or, God forbid, buy one at a supermarket because you can't give your family the best things in life, even though supermarket ice cream or Dairy Queen ice cream is delicious and tasty and you can bring your family there and you can get them a treat. But, of course, that's not good enough. You have to be authentic and make your own and, and absolutely grind it up with rock salt. This is all a problem and it needs to stop. Now, do you want to give people some backstory to your Dairy Queen love? No, well, I mean, there was a time, many, many pounds ago. when There I was, was a time <laughs> when Les Wizard only had two logos to choose from. But no, like you used to love yourself a... Buried in stories here. You, you, you loved yourself a blizzard back in the day. I would have a blizzard every just about every single day. And I had to square those off, and I haven't had a blizzard in like seven or eight years. I just can't touch the stuff anymore because I feel like I have one, I'll be hooked again. I love a good blizzard. Plus, I would. They're I amazing. Just left They're Pittsburgh. better than the custardy homemade ice cream that only, the, that, which is only the best kind, right? Because you know, a working class father or mother who works hard and, and tr- saves up just enough money to buy their kids an ice cream cone from Dairy Queen, like, they they might as well just. They're so they're depriving their child of the best things in life by not buying some artisanal. Uh, you know, ice cream maker from some millennial with his twisty mustache. <laughs> and his unicycle. And his unicycle. Many, always, always uh, in, in, in real life, not the internet, Tim, in real life, how many people have you actually ever seen riding a unicycle? Three. I remember every time I saw it, too. It annoyed me to no end. Now, not, in like a, not, not, not like a circus. I mean, like, out in real life. To be fair, though, let's with say you bought one of these artisanal Nutella caramel spoons. If it's a nice, like, piece of, you know, metal, if it's a good spoon, wouldn't that spoons. double your spoon? Like, You don't get Okay, first, stop it. <laughs> Secondly, you don't get to keep the spoon. It's like going to a coffee, you know, it's like going to a coffee store like Tim Hortons and getting the cup, like getting the coffee in the store and they give you, like, the, the mug, the ceramic mug. You don't take the mug with you unless you're a thief. Okay. Fair. Uh, I, I just... Why, okay, th- this really comes at odds, I feel like, with your overall philosophy. Tim is basically Adam Smith Jr. He has invisible hands. That's why he has all the touching. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I kid about that with Tim. Not with Adam Smith, though. Um, why do you care that these businesses are selling five... Like, if I opened a business and I could get away with selling $5 spoons and Nutzilla, I would do it. Listen, there's nothing illegal about it. And I'm not saying that the government should shut these down. But I'm saying that they are contempt, contemptible stores. And the types of people, I mean, this is what's wrong with millennial culture. Tim, the free market is all about home. ripping off morons. If morons want to pay five fifty for a spoonful of peanut butter chocolate, screw them. Well, that's it. But, I mean, the problem is our culture and our age range 
are filled with people who are unable to save for, you know, a home, unable to save for, you know, retirement. They're too busy going to the club two nights a week and spending copious amounts of money and then treating themselves to spoonfuls of Nutella. It I just, think these, these, it, these things are a little a, sort of offset by the, like, the... I think you're the extreme ends of the spectrum. You're, you're thinking the 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 vision that you have in your mind about millennials and what millennials do is based off this theory that every millennial in the world lives in like a very concentrated part of Brooklyn or some giant city that really only spans like six blocks where this sort of behavior that you see on the internet that goes on. Most millennials are just like everyone else from every range. They're just working like 16 hours a day to try to pay the bills. I, I, I don't think that's true. I think it's there's a 100% genuine difference true. between people who are, are you know, people of our age 20 or 30 years ago compared to how we act now. I yeah, think well, we 20, are or 30, at, like, 20, 20 or 30 years ago, the jobs that the millennials have now actually paid something. Yeah, I think it's it really comes down to there was a there was a really good op-ed piece. I think it was in the New York Times a couple weeks back, sort of as a response to that avocado break. Fake news. Fair. Um, and it was just saying, and, and again, I think Pat is accurate in saying that, like, I've never had a piece of avocado toast in my life. I've never had, I've never even seen one of these spoons. And I'm 25, so I feel like I, I really fit in that millennial tier. You're, you're 25, you work in media, and you live in a hipster part of downtown Toronto, one of you know the most international cities there is. This, there's a lot yeah. of hipsters and that sort of thing around here. I feel like you would be the perfect base for this. And I, I, I would say that the sort of like the thesis statement of this op-ed piece was essentially that Food is the one area where millennials, where we're in mountains and mountains and mountains of debt from like going to school and where housing costs and housing prices are so high right now where we almost go into these situations realizing we can't even afford to buy a house. So why don't we try to get some level of luxury? We spend things that are we spend on things that are obtainable levels of luxury, like a piece of toast that costs $17. It's stupid, but at the very least, I can understand that that thought process behind it. But I would still say Again, very few people I know live their lives like this. I don't know any. Yeah, like I, I, I feel <laughs> and like... And I'm in this age range, and these are the people that I know. And I would oh, even I say that most of the time. people who are 25, 30 now, I think there's been a noticeable change in like the mentality of a 25 to 30-year-old from now to like 20 years ago. Like I think especially people in urban areas you know, are pretty inclined to like put their life on pause and, and, and go after their own career goals and things like that. But I know a bunch of 25-year-old people who have three-year-old kids. They just don't happen to live in the city. And, and they've got their whole other list of concerns that don't involve eating things off a spoon for $7. Well, of course, like, that's right. But I just think millennials are proving the thesis of sort of late-stage decadence of our society. That, like, you know, when Francis Fukuyama talks about the last man and the end of history, like, I think we are – that the buying Nutella off spoons is, you know, emblematic of last manism. I feel like you're just really taking a headline – and thinking it applies to everyone when it probably applies to 0. 0.0000000000. I think it applies to a lot more people than you think. No, I really don't. I think you're vastly overestimating how many people this actually applies to. Walking around in their plaid shirts and their hemp belts, you know. Hemp belts? Like, have you ever. The, the type of people that you're talking about, that you. Proclaim exist everywhere. Have you actually ever seen one of these people out yeah, the Yeah, there are a couple of neighborhoods around that I've seen these people drive around on their penny-farthing bikes or, you know, you know, go to a chain restaurant, not because they want to go there, but because it's really ironic that they're going to go to Chili's or something. I mean, look, I'll say that I think these types people of people are, awful, are far more way. prevalent in places like them. Toronto, but, like, you're from Nova Scotia. Yep. How often do you see these types of people in places that Tim actually inhabits? 
Oh, never. Never. Like there, there is a probably one block radius with like That's you know, true. local coffee shops in Halifax. And they had like the 16 of them in the city all congregate right there. And I'm more agitated about, yeah, the people who are living in like the Kensington areas of Toronto and, you know, Brooklyn and Vancouver and the East End and West End and... You know, but that's where they're all congregated. It's okay. They've chosen to live in those areas. In fairness, I went to Kensington Market is a kind of hippy-dippy place in... Restaurants, Tur- bars. Yeah. yeah like I, of... I went there last night yeah. after I left the office with my future wife, my wife, and we just went to a whole bunch of restaurants. We went to like four different restaurants, had like four different appetizers, had a few yeah. beer. It's a fun place it's to go. It's a nice can bar hop. You can also go to that Hot Box Cafe. Look down noses at you if you live on the wrong side of Dufferin Street. Dufferin. Dufferin. I think I live on the wrong side of Dufferin, in Tim's opinion. Well, this is becoming very Toronto localized. Yes, it is. But, I mean, I feel like this sort of, what you're saying, Tim, it exists in every big city. Yeah. Yeah, that's a problem. But you're so consumed with what's cool and what's not cool and how it appears to people that this actually matters to you. It doesn't matter to me. Gary, you have your hand raised. Um, I would like (laughs) to point out the irony that Tim is so focused on the small demographics of urban areas, he is much like Hillary Clinton forgetting about middle America and therefore going to lose the upcoming election. You're Hillary Clintoning right now, Tim. It won't be my fault, though. You can be sure of that. You'll blame you everyone. Are you going to go you to know, the I'll woods? I'll take responsibility for it, but of course I won't take responsibility for any of the reasons I lost. If you had to spend an hour in a room with five Hillary Clintons or an hour in a room with five millennials riding unicycles. Eating, eating spoon, <laughs> spoonfuls of nutzilla. Spoon! Which would you pick? Oh, God. <laughs> I guess Mrs. Clinton, because she could give me tips on how to shake down people for money. <laughs> Shake down the millennials. I mean, you could learn that, too, from hanging out with the millennials and their $5 spoons of Nutella. Just, you know, these are the kids that go to the bar two nights a week. Like, 30 years ago, people didn't do that. What are you talking about? I was in college. When were we in college? 10 years ago? ago. So 12 years ago. From a period of 2004 to 2008, I was at the bar five nights a week. Yes, but I think that was not common 30 years ago or 35 years ago. People People were saving for, you know, retirement or they're saving for a down payment for a house because... These people are like, oh, it's too expensive to live in Toronto. Well, then get out of Toronto and move somewhere where you can have a house and a picket fence and a lawn. You don't have to congregate at Kensington Market or Brooklyn, New York. Leave there. Leave the cities, which are just vapid wastelands most of the time anyway. Go to the real part of the country where you're not surrounded by nonsensical cosmopolitan social city living. It it angers me so much. (laughs) Tim would like everyone to move to 1954. But Tim, you, <laughs> you know, realize if all these people leave Toronto, they'll be coming closer to you. What? Having a country estate or living out in the country or in suburbs, I think it's a better way to live. Having a country estate. Yeah, you're right, Tim. Having a country estate would be the you way to live. You know what I mean. Like having a nice big house on a good plot of land, you know, somewhere that's relatively unpopulated, well, where well, it's a lot cheaper. And, you know, you can sort of live a more... I mean, we talk about millennials living in real authentic, uh, authentic living, Tim like that's actual hat, authentic. Like farming his own vegetables. Tim is like yeah, the like most incompetent person <laughs> alive. He would kill all the animals after he bought them. He'd hammer his hand off trying to put up a fence. Like, you it's know, funny because the, the, the lifestyle that you glorify and that you want to live, you could never sustain yourself. You would there hate when you. small towns because you couldn't go to the established chains that you love because they don't exist in these areas. Yes, they do. They live in suburbia, though. Okay. 
Here, here's one of the problems against your thesis of everyone should move outside of cities. Because of technology and the shrinking down of the globalized market, a lot of these jobs that used to exist in the suburbs and out in the country, even 25 years ago, simply are not there anymore. The jobs for everyone, that's why you see the migration to the bigger cities. The suburban sprawl of these giant places getting bigger and bigger and bigger because the only jobs that exist across the spectrum for everything exist in the cities. That's why people live here. Yeah, I don't disagree with that point. But everything has its natural breaking point. At some point, the cities become too crowded and living becomes too expensive that people simply cannot live there anymore. There are natural breaking points to this. And some of these cities have become overpopulated. And in fact, urbanization is reducing in some of the major cities because suburbia is growing again. And exurbia is growing. What I mean, it's all all the name of God wants to live in. You know, down on Front Street, or living, you know, uh, somewhere in Brooklyn. I don't know. Uh, I, I do. How do you pronounce places so weird? Because he's because he because he, he grew up in Ouston. That's why. <laughs> or Los I've never, Angeles. I've never been to those places. I have. They're airports. Um, I mean, I the the place where you just described where you want to live. That's where I want to live. I don't think as a person wants. To. I think the idea. What do you mean you don't think a person wants? It? I just told there. you that's what I want, and that's where I live. Like, I think it would be better to live somewhere quiet in the country. Why? I hate just... I hate quietness. I hate the country. I, I like did... being in the middle of a big city. I much prefer that. Yeah, I don't want to make this too Toronto specific again, but Pat has a very a, a nice like restrictive of st- set of streets. He will not leave this box in the heart of the center of the city. Just won't happen. Yeah, like... And then you had to go to Orno that one time. And every oh. time I pass through Orno, which is it's a town so small and shitty that they literally I don't think they do this anymore because I think it went out of business, but they used to have to, like, put the main attraction of their town under their sign. It was like, welcome to Orno. We have an IGA. An IGA. Good for you. (laughs) IGA. Is IGA still in business? No, it went out of business. When my, uh... Of course, unless you're going to Whole Foods, you know, you're not really even grocery shopping. What are you talking about? You know nothing. You're like Jon Snow. You know nothing. That's what all the millennials are doing. Millennials are see on the millennials can't time. afford to shop at Whole Foods, Tim. They can't afford a lot of things, but they do it anyway. No, they don't. Because whatever version, cartoon version of a millennial you have in your head or that you read about in fake news internet doesn't exist. You're a millennial. Most millennials are like you. Well, I like Except to they're not fancy them. academics who teach at colleges. I, I like We're to top think, I, mean, I look on Twitter and on the on the internet all the time, and I'm seeing all these people in the, you know, wearing their winter caps indoors, and you know, wearing their, you know, their because they can't afford heat. Their, <laughs> what? They can't afford heat. Yeah, they can't afford heat because they're too busy going out to the to the bars and buying Nutella on spoons. This is so ridiculous. Cold spoons. Before we move off of spoons. Yes, I had that. Yeah, please tell the people about cold spoons. Now, I don't think. Can you explain your version of it? Because I'll explain my version of it because I'm the one who does it. But you saw this. Well, you saw it firsthand, me doing it back in the day. Can you explain what the cold spoons is? Me? Yeah. Uh, it's a process by which you can get the. You take some regular old spoons, you put them in the freezer so that they're ice cold, obviously. Then you place them, press them underneath your eyelids to remove uh, bags underneath your eyes. Yes. That's exactly what it it's is. pretty cut and dry. So what it does is, like, when you have bags underneath your eyes, that means the blood circulation isn't flowing the way it should be. That causes the darkness underneath your eyes. When you apply extreme cold to it, it, like, speeds them up. 
It's sort of like the really ghetto version of like that knee surgery that like Kobe got, oh, yeah. where they take out like good blood cells and like put them in a centrifuge. Don't you have to you, go to Germany? Yeah, you inject them in. So I mean, I'm someone who appears on camera a lot, so I don't like to have gigantic bags underneath my yeah, eyes. Yeah, but you were doing this well before you were ever on camera. Yeah, well, I didn't ever like having bags underneath my eyes, but I am predisposed to having terrible bags underneath my eyes at all times. Now, back when Tim first met me, I was staying up to like five o'clock in the morning and waking up at four o'clock in the afternoon every day. Also conducive to having a lot of bags underneath your eyes but it's a process that works i don't see why it's so weird it's just i've never seen or heard of anyone ever doing it before that's all patent pending it's uncustomary i'm not saying it's bad it was just un- unusual okay anyway that's cold spoons next topic let's talk about these pop machines let's oh, okay that that was getting me all wound it's all all part of a piece of millennial culture too is that you should just write a, you, you need to be like uh what was that terrible book that came out that they made the terrible show into Shit my dad says? Shit my dad says. That's basically you. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about these new popper soda machines. I mean, they're more predominant in the United States than they are in Canada. But they've made their way into Canada. Carl's Jr.'s has them. Of course, how Subway quite famous. Primarily at Subways and at movie theaters, I would say. Yeah, well, movie, I don't, you know, it's a good question. I, you don't really make your own soda at the movie theater, or at least in my, in my experience. Um, I th- a couple of the you. bigger cinemas in the city have I don't like, oh, if we're going to stick with the cold spoon things, I do have a trick for people that go to the movie cinemas. Tim, would you say this is a good trick? Oh, this uh, is, is a good trick, rail? yeah. Everyone I've showed this trick to falls in love with it. You never want the people at the movie theater putting butter on your popcorn. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because all they do is take your popcorn and just put, put the top. butter on top, and that's it. Here's what you need they to do. They charge though. you to layer it now. You, you can't get them to layer it, but they try to do next Yeah, but, here, but here's extra, a, yeah. you just get around that. Because, you know, most places have the butter you can just go put on near the napkins and straws and all that stuff. So you take your big bag of popcorn and you take a straw. You put the straw all the way down the middle of the popcorn bag. You then put it underneath, like, the little dinky thing that comes out with yeah, the butter and just pour the butter into the straw. Now you do that for about, like, three seconds and then you mush it around a little bit. Move the straw up about three inches. Repeat process all the way to the top of the bag. That way, you can layer your own butter, and thus, after you have the first handful of popcorn, you still have butter for your entire movie viewing experience. Yeah, it's a genius move. I I have nothing but but nice things to say about it. Pat Mayo, cold spoons and popcorn, that's really all I know. Yeah, because they were charging me. They wanted to charge me to butter my popcorn to the movies a couple of weeks ago. I was like, you in your mind? There's free butter right there. Isn't there some concern over the like the the quality of the free butter though? Like, isn't that oh, a cell like butter as opposed to like an actual? I'm at the movie. It's like a margarine butter garbage. is the free one, and like a butter butter is the one they give you. Does it really matter? No, not really. Does it matter to you as a movie goer? I will and say this: consumer? as someone who has definitely eaten his share of popcorn, I do feel like if we're getting into the nitty gritty of the situation. The B-cell margarine-based butter is a little bit more liquidy than the butter butter, and it does sort of, like, sometimes mess with the, like, consistency of the popcorn. It makes it a little watery sometimes. Now, what if you were using parquet, or I can't believe it's not butter? Do they still make I can't believe I it's not butter? I have no idea. Oh, yes, they, they do. do. Oh, Tim would know. Because <laughs> I buy it. <laughs> if they didn't have it, would you harass the grocery boy about where it is? I would ask where it is and where it's gone to, yes. I mean, obviously, lots of people buy it. You know what? You're just trying to give me work. Do you want to give your top five soda pops? No, no, no. Before we we do that, I got a text from Tim the other day that Tim Hortons increased their prices, and it took everything he had not to yell at the cashier. Cam was very upset because KFC has also increased their prices recently. As he told me, their their 10-piece bucket went from $26.99 to $28.99, and they didn't think he would notice, but he noticed. Of course he noticed. Well, even like Toonie Tuesday has become such a damn scam these days. It used to be $2 back in the day. Now it's like $3.69. 
Well, tell tell us about your frustration with Tim Hortons and their raised prices. Why is it? Well, why why can't Tim Hortons raise their prices, Tim? They can raise their prices, but I suspect this is just a cash grab. Do you feel like the, the money, the, the main corporation, has lost by you not eating at Wendy's, has now been money. transferred into having to raise the prices at Tim Hortons? Yeah, I never thought about that. Same company, Tim. You're not spending your money at Wendy's. They, they had to get your money somehow. <laughs> Do you think <laughs> I, me alone is the reason? Yeah. Yep. I mean, Wendy's. Yeah, well, they got to pay. They, I mean, Wendy's does have to pay for that. Well, they had to give away so many free nuggets. nuggets they got to so. make their money back somewhere. That's right. They can't just have some 19-year-old son of a, the vice president of Wendy's who runs their Twitter account, uh, you know, doing things, doing that for free. They have to make their money up, I guess. Well, I, I will say that the Wendy's Twitter account, the Wendy's Top entire notch. social media platform, is now sort of like the envy of all like big chain businesses they do it right they engage they bring attention without ever having to spend any money on marketing people are really jealous of how well the wendy's marketing has worked so I'm in your sure. face tim i don't like it but that's probably for the best apparently things that you don't like everyone else is in on i don't know if that's true do you want to talk about these machines yeah let's talk about these machines so, I, I feel I mean, like everyone i know gets know. so pumped for a drink machine you can go to these various fast food restaurants, and when you get your pop, because nowadays it's it's almost impossible to order unless you're at the drive-through to order your flavor. They just give you the cup, and you fill it yourself. Well, Tim, b- before you can, problem in and of before itself, you continue with this, you have to understand most of our viewers are American. Can you please say soda? Well, pop is actually just as common in the United States as soda. I don't think so. I one time like I, I took a waitress aback. Like it was like an aggressive term when I said pop. I was like, oh, do you mean soda? It was like when I asked someone to lie down on their Chesterfield. They didn't know what I was talking about. Uh, pop is like just – it depends where you're like in, the, in like Texas or whatever. Like pop is the term people use. See, Tim knows I, that because he was once in Houston Airport. <laughs> no, Houston. but pop and soda and Coke are the three words that get used in different parts of the country. There's a whole map on this I've looked at before. Oh, it was on the internet. It has to be true. I, I actually believe it. It looks pretty sophisticated. It looks like, like the Midwest and uh, Midwest and parts of Texas, pop is common. In the New England, New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, it's soda, in and California, it's soda. So, <laughs> what? Continue, please. Uh, so anyway, soda pop, whatever soda pop, call it whatever you want. These new d- uh, dispensers. Not only can you get Coke, or sorry, well, unfortunately, it, at, uh, that's a whole other problem at Subway. You can't get Coke, but Pepsi, Diet Pepsi, ginger ale, orange pop, whatever. Uh, you can now add flavors to it. Cherry, vanilla, strawberry, and lemon, at least at, at Subway. And this just incenses me for a couple of reasons. One, these companies spend a lot of time and attention to perfect the right types of flavors that need to be added to pop so that people like them. I'm, some amateur doesn't need to go in there and make swamp water for himself and decide he knows Amateur. That. That, that's sort of dumb. Secondly, uh, it, again, it's all part of this millennium. When, when we were growing up, Coke was Coke, and we liked it that way. We didn't have to have a bunch of fancy flavors added in to keep things exciting for us because we get bored. You were literally of the generation that iPad. spawned new Coke. Yeah, and, and people rejected it immediately. You know, it was like, oh, for a year, and they went right back to the normal flavor because people liked uh, things. It wasn't so their normal the flavor. Coke we had to Coke-Cola Classic. It was different. Yeah, well, they, they don't call it that anymore. <laughs> they got rid of the classic word. It was like that for a while, but then people forgot about it. Why do you hate choices? Yeah, why, why do you care? You don't have to yeah, use Yeah, you it. don't have to drink the weird ones. But it's just, it's, again, it's all part of this decadent culture that is just aggravating. That people just can't have normal pop on its own. They have to be very You know, I, t- I take issue with the way that you're using the word normal, Tim. What's normal to you? Having regular flavors of soda that are regular, available. Regular, not- normal. Listen to these. These are going to cause microaggressions, Tim. 
Well, okay, you know what? The people who enjoy strawberry lemon ginger ale, I'm sorry I've offended you. But actually, I'm not sorry. because this, The strawberry lemon element of this is new for me. Like, the Coke, the Coke machines just kind of give you, like, your unlimited variety of things. that, And you can put cherry in them. You can put vanilla in them, which are kind of, like, two very basic, I would feel like, pop. On their elements. own, yes. Together, it's just swamp water. Let me ask you this. Who's drinking soda? Lots of people. I, like, I understand that, but I, shouldn't be, people be cutting this out? It's a very, it's, e- it's probably the easiest thing to cut out from a diet, I would say. A fair amount. Yeah, it's really bad for you. But it's I, almost as bad sure, as smoking. There's lots of things that are bad for you. That sure. doesn't have any bearing on the fact that it's incredibly popular. I'm starting to worry about you. You're smoking, you're drinking sodas, you're eating fast food eight days often. a week. The only, only time I ever drink soda is when I go to a fast food restaurant. I don't know, man. Especially, like, there's uh, actually a... Syrupy he cut dipper. down on his blizzards, though. Yeah. <laughs> He's the blizzard man. Blizzy blee. Um, the soda that you get at McDonald's or Wendy's or wherever, it's processed differently than soda that you would just buy out of a can. Of course. So It's the mix. It is. I actually had an ex-girlfriend who was a food scientist, and she schooled me on this. She's like, was she the same one who was the food dresser? Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, um... She basically told me, it was like, you never, ever, ever want to get a Coke at a fast food restaurant. Like, anything that doesn't come in a can or a bottle, you do not want to be drinking that. It's approximately four times worse than you than regular, like, canned wow. Coke. Just because I suspect that's true. So you should just be cutting all the stuff out. But whatever. I'm Regardless of unlimited food. choices. But what I don't need is a bunch of flavor shots to, you know, make things, you know, Unique and special to me is the snowflake that I am, that I have to be able to put lemon and strawberry into my Coca-Cola. I feel somehow disabused. Come off of it. This is just pop machine anarchy. And it <laughs> aren't, is aren't you the same person who away. wants governments to step out of regulating things at restaurants? And now they're giving it. you no regulations whatsoever. You can do whatever you want at a restaurant, and you're saying no. I'm not saying you should be banned. I'm not saying it shouldn't be allowed. I'm saying it is anarchism that people who choose to engage in this practice should feel bad about themselves because it's bad. Coca-Cola has been perfected over the years the flavor that it has. It doesn't need you saying, ooh, I wonder if I put lemon and cherry in it, how it would taste. You know what? You don't need to ask that question. The answer is it's going to be worse than regular Stop expanding your horizons. Stop thinking you're anything more than you currently are. Shut it all down and drink a Coke. Now, to go back to this, Tim, can you tell us what your favorite flavor of Pepsi is? Oh, well, it's not my, I mean, I don't like Pepsi at all, but of the list of Pepsis that are drinkable, Crystal Pepsi is obviously the best. And then Ginger Pepsi is in a close second. Everything else is more or less trash. Well, Tim's experimenting when he's at these machines. That's not a machine. You can't get Crystal Pepsi at a machine. I've seen Crystal Pepsi in forever. I've seen Pepsi Blue in forever either. They I, put a I, but no last year. They came up with Crystal Pepsi all over again, uh, and it was everywhere. At least at the gas stations that I buy things at. Anyway, it was everywhere, and uh, it was really good. The gas, it was nice to have it back. Look, the gas station where Tim buys his groceries. I'll say this for people who are watching in the states, as most people are, you have to understand that Cherry Coke is a lot less prevalent in Canada. And it only comes out in the summer. You can only get it in the 500 mil bottles. Oh, it's the McRib of sodas. It is. <laughs> you can't get it. So if I can't, can't find, if, if I'm at a, if I'm at a Coca-Cola institution and I can't get a Dr. Pepper, I want a Cherry Cola. These these machines allow me the ability to drink a Cherry Cola. Why can't I have Cherry Cola, Tim? Would you get a chi- you Would you Would you ever get a Chicka Cherry Cola? <laughs> a Chicka Cherry Cola? No, I don't think so. Well, you need to get on your Savage Garden game. You should have what is available without trying to, like, a, these things are like creating Frankenstein's monster. 
Uh, you know, the moral of that story was you can do these things, but you're playing God. Stop playing God with soda machines and drink it the way it was meant. When we grew up, it was soda out of the machine or in the can, and that's how it was, and we were happy with it. Why do the kids these days have to have all these fangled new flavors? I don't understand Are you understand just upset it. that you haven't had these flavors the whole time? Like, are you jealous of today's society? No, I think it's regressive. I think, it's, I think it's, you're it's, jealous. It's decadence. That's the right word for it. It's wasteful decadence. Tim hates this whole new generation of, was it, King Herod? Is that his name? King Herod? King Herod? Wasn't he very decadent? He was a very decadent I'm man, trying to remember yeah. my Look, Jesus Christ superstar. I think yeah, normal a, people would eat popcorn yeah. out of a bowl and not put it on bread with mayonnaise, but that hasn't stopped you in the past. This is not about me <laughs> and my various problems. I'm, you know, I'm speaking for the people. I'm speaking common sense to a society de- in desperate need of it. Well, you threw out a term uh, a little bit earlier. You said that uh, you know if people get you know cherry and mix it with strawberry in their pop, you know they're you're they're insulting you know, being snowflakes about the entire thing. The way that you've reacted to all of this makes you sound like a snowflake, pal. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. The snowflake believes that he or she is a special, unique character that needs to be respected and appreciated for who they. I don't believe. That. I believe the world is hard, and one must be hard in turn to meet it. I never thought of you as hard. Yeah. Or hardened. Tim, in any Tim, way. Tim likes to think of himself <laughs> as like a Depression era worker as he preaches down from his ivory like, towers. Someone who is hardened wouldn't be affected by these plights. Like someone who is hardened wouldn't cry, cry foul because Notre Dame has to play a noon game one afternoon. Yeah, well, in some ways, I'm attuned to the, the problems of our modern society. Yeah, you are fucking tuned, pal. <laughs> Let's get into that. Notre Dame playing a <sighs> noon o'clock game. How do you feel about that, Tim? Well, first, the idea that they would put Notre Dame on at noon is insulting. How That's many noon games did they have last year? It must have been school. like two or three. Pardon me? They must have had two or three noon games last season. Not two or three. If they had one, maybe. And this is one is against Boston College, which is the Holy War, which further is an insult to the fact that this is going to be one of the most watched games of the year. And they put it on at noon against, like, Michigan versus, I don't know, Appalachian State. I don't know what garbage game they'll have. Upset alert. Are they starting yeah, okay. the year with the Holy War? This is the Holy War. And I'm saying, is, is this game at the, is this at the, the end of the schedule as it normally is, or are they starting with them? Uh, it's relatively early in the season. They, they flip around. They, they usually end they with play. USC. Usually. Yeah. But yeah, last they, couple years, they, they played well, Boston College like at Fenway. Year. Oh. This year, they won't because it's at uh, Notre Dame. When they finish at USC, it's at the end of the year. Every other year, it's at the farm in Stanford. Why does this upset you so much? We shouldn't be playing at noon. We're not, not some – it's like the Dallas Cowboys playing 2 o'clock games. They don't play them. Why? Because they want to be so – the people potentially put them on at 5 o'clock when everyone sees them or at prime time because people want to watch them. They don't you know, shunt them over to the least watched block. Putting Notre Dame on at noon is a slap across the face for those of us who don't want to have to, particularly in the West, have to get up at, and watch football at 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. in order to watch the most popular team. It's just Why dumb. Why do you keep like Notre Dame games at noon and then and switching time zones when you talk about the NFL? Tim gets up at 6 o'clock every morning anyway to watch Meet the Press on weekends. I do, but I'm not speaking just about my own personal. Again, this is not all about my own private grievances. I'm grieving for others who have problems with it. You know, there are some people that get triggered by very things that you can't talk about. Tim gets triggered about times. (laughs) I do. Think about your privileged life, pal. No, but imagine if they put the Warriors and Cavs on at noon on Saturday instead of a Sunday night. It's the exact same thing. Is it the exact same thing? Yeah, it's something that most people want to watch who are sports fans. 
who are, you're putting it on an inconvenient time are. because you know God knows ESPN probably got paid off by the SEC put on some garbage SEC game at night or something. I don't know. Most people want to watch Notre Dame games. I don't know about that. Oh, like college football. Yeah, it's the, most, it's the most popular team. I'm not denying that they're... They, I think they're, they're the most of... prevalent team. I feel like a lot of people hate Notre Dame. Well, that's fine. You know, I feed off other people's hate. <laughs> fine. <laughs> Throw it out there. They hate us because they hate us. Did you just reference the interview? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm talking about niche millennial things. <laughs> yeah, well, one must grapple with the culture in order to consume it and then critique it. I, I don't care what time Notre Dame's on. Like, I know you don't. But I but feel like most I people do. don't care. I, a lot of people care. I yeah, was the crazy only one people you like you. Yeah, well, you, I'm not just me. You should see what the boards had to say about it. What do the, the Notre Dame message boards have to say about it, Tim? They were not pleased. They were I like a good noon I'm game every now and again. To their complaints. You just watch it hungover. Yeah, you watch it hungover. After you it's... get back from the club, Garyon, for the eighth time this week. Yeah, well, that's what kids are I doing to go these twice days. on Saturdays. Yeah. <laughs> go in the afternoon, yeah. then I go a bit at night. Dame plays at noon. I go for an early club, come home, take a nap, go back to the club. Tim thinks that going to the club is like hanging out on Jersey Shore, the most relevant thing in his life. <laughs> that's not true. But I know what's it's like to go to the bars and to the clubs. And, do, you know. do, the, oh. the fact that you're calling it the bars and the clubs... Strikes me to believe that, no, no, you don't. I've been out to them. I know what they're about. I know their whole scene. I don't particularly care for that whole environment. I I hate clubs, but I would go to one with Tim just to see Tim at a club. It's too loud. You can't talk to anybody. Oh, I agree. Clubs are are the worst. I I always suspect they're watering down my drinks and not telling me. People just get too close. I like my personal space. Too close. Too close by the cliff. Yeah, it's 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 just not my jam. No, I, I, listen, I'm fully aware that it's not your jam. It's not my jam anymore either. It was when I was 23. It's not <sighs> when I'm 32. And now the money means much, so much more to me nowadays. you got to get up early and watch Notre Dame games. Yeah, I mean, like, how can, I, how can I go to the club on a Friday night knowing that this is going to start at noon, Tim? And for you, well, 10 o'clock well, in the morning? Oh! I mean, obviously you're not taking this complaint seriously. See, I feel fun. like, don't you love getting up on a Sunday and being able to watch football at 10 a.m.? Yeah, that was the I whole, like the whole like, amazing thing about living on the west coast of the country. And now you're complaining that you get to do that with Notre Dame. Because when it comes to the NFL and my team, I actually want to watch as little of my foot my NFL team as possible. When it comes to college, it's not the same thing. You don't have fantasy going on. You don't have 12 different games with fantasy implications and such. It's just it's a wholly different. Watching football on a Saturday versus a Sunday is a wholly different experience. Okay. I don't know if we should get into this or not. Because it's just the blowback that I just don't want to have to deal with. These people are all crazy people. But just crazy people are the worst to deal with. Mm -hmm. Tim, tell us about this Flat Earth account that you're obsessed with. Because you showed it to me and I started getting obsessed with it too. Yeah, well, I mean, most, most conspiracies or conspiracy theorists espouse theories that are like profoundly dangerous or offensive in some way. Like Like 9-11 truthers? 9-11 truthers, Sandy Hook truthers. Or people that think of vaccines, yeah. Uh, you know, but flat earthism is a victimless crime. It's a victimless. Uh, what about the people conspiracy. in the bottom of it that fall it's off? It's fun to sort of just jump into this world of flat earthism and just see how people are living and thinking, and the sort of like almost logical but obviously completely nonsense arguments they're pursuing. Like this, the, the, the flat Earth Twitter account has you know photos like here's a marble. Uh, find a way to make water stay on this marble, or the earth is flat. 
uh, or a, a do you, photo do you feel of, the, like... you know, of the globe where all the water is sunk to the bottom and says, if Earth was a globe, gravity would make all the water go to its lowest point, like in real life. You know, or like fo- various photos of the Earth uh, from space that they've like sliced into pieces from the different years that the photo was taken to prove that none of them are authentic because if it was the real Earth, which was a globe, uh, we'd all see, see the exact same photo every time. So like that's like the little bit of evidence they need, like those 9-11 people who like to tweet about how you know the, the melting point of steel means X or Y. Like it's, it's like this little tiny semi-scientific point that they think proves something that can't possibly be real. It's just that the Twitter account's fantastic. Do you feel like pop machines and their unlimited options to people are a gateway to too much free thinking and having people end <laughs> up on these conclusions? <laughs> yes. Is, 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 is flat earthism just a product of millennial culture, Tim? Oh, I feel like... Most millennials have no time for flat earthism. I feel like the people who are pursuing flat earthism are and all Kyrie baby Irving's boomers or older. Why, why, why would you think that? Well, every single photo or image that this account uses, for example, all look like they've been put together by somebody who's in their 50s. So they're bad at Photoshop? Yeah, like they're not awful at it, but they're clearly not like sophisticated at it. All right, well, can you give some of the people the finer points of flat earthism, like penguin robots and things like that? Yeah, well, I mean, one of the most important points for the flat earthers is that how do you explain Antarctica? Because it's at the bottom of the earth. Well, so their arguments tend to go, listen, why is Antarctica the only continent on earth where no countries have like civilizations and development and almost nobody goes there? Because Antarctica is just a ring around a flat earth. And at the ice wall, like the reason, if you ever look at a photo like in real life of like what Antarctica looks like, what you notice from the water is that Antarctica is like really raised, like the cliffs are huge. Well, that's because it's all an ice wall. And that's what keeps the water on Earth from flowing off the side into outer space. And that the penguins, the reason the penguins only live at the South Pole is that original penguins were just robots which were constructed by the government, which government remains undefined, of course, but constructed by the government to keep watch over the ice walls so that no one can really figure out what's going on on the edge of the world. This is fantastic. Also, the reason the UN flag looks like it does is an homage, it's sort of like it's a tip-off to the flat earthers that the UN is aware that the earth is actually flat and organized that way, that it isn't a globe. So this is like Illuminati-level stuff at this point. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, if you're going to get into the – if you're going to jump in with both feet to say the earth is actually flat and the experts are lying to you, you have to assume that some secret association or society is pulling the strings, right? How, like – What's the width of the Earth if it's flat? That is an excellent question. I actually do not know the exact measurements. But they say, you know, if you're flying in a, like you're flying in a plane, uh, you don't see a curved Earth in the air or curved horizons because actually it's all flat. Shout out to Mike Cardano on this one because he told me this. I used to live with Cardano um, when I moved down to the States. Yeah. And he once, once upon a time tried to get his pilot's license. So he was doing a whole bunch of flying. He said the flying isn't all that difficult he says keeping your navigation as you go you can get turned upside down in a plane and not even know it he said that he that one of the very first times he was in there so that would leave me to believe that you know it's, it's less flat than maybe they're saying i don't know it's not flat i don't know tim i've heard it was flat flat say, less know, flat you, another way you can prove that the earth isn't isn't round is that if you look at the water in a puddle it doesn't just keep flowing towards the sides the way it would on a sphere. The fact that waters can stay still and flat in puddles or lakes is a proof that the Earth is flat. I mean, this is the level of, like, grade four 
science thinking, where like there's a little bit of logic wrapped around a whole pile of insanity? I think you've sold me. I think the Earth is flat now. Yeah, well, you and Kyrie Irving have a lot in common then. I don't know if that. I think that's the only thing you have in common with Kyrie Irving. I mean, I, I don't well, mind I don't know. You Pepsi. Could, you both would only be able to win championships if you had an actual good player on your teams. Oh. Could like, Pat win a championship with LeBron James? Probably. Well, I think anybody could. Well, well they, clear, clearly not Kyrie Irving. This this version of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. No, well, they already did. Yeah, that's true. And any brainwashed. So, any more cool things from the Flat Earth account? Oh, just you know, various various nonsensicalness about the way vacuums work in outer space and how they, they proves that there's no what, such What thing. is the theory you would say you're most willing to possibly believe in? Well, my, my, before Tim jumps into that, I, I think my favorite anti-flat Earth thing is like when, when they talk about things like, well, how do you know the Earth is round? It's like, well, I've seen pictures of the Earth. It's like, yeah, well, have you ever been to outer space? <laughs> and then if you were to say yes, hey. they'd just say, you're just in on the conspiracy then. <laughs> It's a very good way for conspiracy theorists to continue propagating the well, conspiracy. The All you have to do is find one question that has the answer you need, you need it to be. Is that if you ever like take take down a part of their theory, that's just because you're in on it too. <laughs> and the conspiracy that just keeps growing outward to ensure that anyone who's denying it in any way is just in on it. It is a tool of the state. I'm honestly curious, though. So, Tim, do you have – I mean, I think we've talked about conspiracies on this show before. I will say there is one I don't believe it, but there's one I could see being true. Okay, and that's that's really what I'm looking for here. Is there one where you could you could at least at some point go like, oh, I can see their side of this? I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I, I'm trying to rack my brain to come up with one that I think is even plausible. Why don't you go, Patrick? Yes, I, I, I will start with this one. Now, the main reason that I generally don't believe conspiracies, because mainly they're not true for the yes. most part. I mean, I'm sure there are some. The odds-on favorite is they're not true. If you want to be right most of the time, they're not true. So here's the thing. I mean, I mean, like vast conspiracy theories that clearly uh, people think happened did not happen. Is that it's like the 9/11 thing? There's a lot of people out there that think that 9/11 is an inside job. I am not. Frighteningly, it's like intelligent people in other worlds, like like scientists and engineers sometimes. Well, people usually tell me they saw this thing on the internet that you really need to see. You got to see loose change. That's always a thing. Have you seen loose change? (laughs) But. Here's the thing. It's these same people also complain that their government is moronic and corrupt mm-hmm. and everything, yet they think they can pull off this giant conspiracy. Like, imagine if there was, like, a conspiracy around Trump with everything leaks out of that White House. There's, well, not, a thing, it, right? there's not a thing you could say that would leak out, yet as, somehow— yeah, As a conservative, this is why I don't believe in conspiracies, because my faith in the state and in individuals to, to operate through the state to do things is so limited that I don't believe And it. I'm sort of on the same page with that. A lot mm-hmm. of these conspiracies are far too vast— for there to be 60,000 people to silence to be in on it, that it would never come out. That makes no sense. Yes. That would never, ever, ever happen. The one, I think this is, I don't think this is true, but I could see the original moon landing having yeah. been faked. Because that would not have taken a lot of people no. to silence, and you could have done it in a studio with no one really watching. I saw a great, again, on this Twitter account, I think they retweeted this photo of Richard Nixon on a phone talking to people on the moon, but then saying he can call the moon in 1969 from 30,000 miles away, but I can't make my cell phone work in my basement. Well, that's really the thing, right? It's that we at some point in the 60s, before we had personal computers in our home, like we're able to somehow put a not only just shoot men into into space, but then have the technology to have them chill there for a little while and then come back. 
Listen, I mean, but I mean, the reason that all all of that stuff happened, one, I mean, you have the Cold War, you sure. want to beat the Soviets, but the reason that we have the devices that we have today is because of it's, that. Is because, and again, I'm, I'm with you. I think it happened. I'm not going to say it didn't happen. But when you do sometimes just that, sit and look at it for a and second. And that's the thing. I think that is the one plausible one that could have been. I'll give you fixed. one that I think is actually pseudo plausible, I yeah. suppose. I don't know that I believe it. Let's say like Area 51 and Roswell with aliens. There have been enough people who've claimed, I mean, I don't believe in aliens. Uh, but it's not impossible to think that there would be extraterrestrial creatures. I mean, we're from Nova Scotia. One of the most famous like, saucer viewings in human history happened at Shag Harbor, Nova Scotia. I mean, there are lots of people who have who have no financial reason to say they saw aliens who say they saw them. So, And if the government were to capture a flying saucer, in theory, I suppose they would put on the full court press to prevent people from finding out. So while I don't believe it, I think there's, that it's plausible. Like there's a 5% chance that these aliens have been covered up by the state. Imagine if the aliens landed and all they wanted was avocado toast and spoons full of Nutella. That would still be a more enjoyable movie than Alien Covenant. You didn't like Alien Covenant? No, I mean, it's better than uh, Prometheus. But I love that's Prometheus. That's not saying much. I haven't seen the new Alien yet. Um, do, you have, do you have any conspiracy theories outside of the moon landing that you want to dig I into? I was going to bring up the moon landing, but I... I, I don't think there's any well, that I really... I watched this conspiracy... It's not a conspiracy documentary. It's about The Shining. It's called... What's the room in The Shining? Oh, yeah, right. Oh, uh... Room 237, yeah, I think. 222? But the socks and the floor... Well, whatever and it that... is, it's five, it's five, like, crazy internet people's five different takes on what The Shining is actually about. Yeah. It's fascinating. It's yeah. all ludicrous yeah but no it's, but it's there's, there's there's the very who wrote the book when you dissect kubrick it does get very very interesting sometimes but, but one of them is not kubrick's idea ask stephen king it's his idea yeah but, but, but part of it is just how much that kubrick hates stephen king and hated the source material and that's why he changed some of the stuff well, and some of, course, of the kubrick while a wonderful director it doesn't have uh, you know, as much creativity as little finger stephen king has Oh, yeah, plot. but it's just the, the decisions he made and the differences that point to certain things and, like, the clues he left. Yeah, and, and one of the conspiracies that the moon landing was faked by Stanley Kubrick. That's why 2001 looked so realistic at the time and that The Shining was just a hidden message telling the people that he did fake the moon landing through these, like, really ov- weirdly secret things hidden in the background. It's really insane. It's well worth a watch. I got to look up what the name of that is. Kings of Kong? You know, Kings of <laughs> Kong. Kong is a great I think it's my, I think it's my favorite documentary ever. The guy who directed that directed the new Baywatch movie, which was, was so shocking to me. What? Really? Yeah, that same guy. Also, what? I've heard nothing good about that movie. We'll still watch it. I, I still I just like The Rock so much. Yeah. Room two thirty seven. I think I was right on that. Room two thirty seven. That sounds right. Yes, that is what it is. Okay. Yeah, Stanley Kubrick's film adaptation. Speaking of interesting culty films. um... I just, for the first time, saw, like, the cast list for the Room movie that's coming out. Very excited. And apparently it performed very well at the festivals. I'm excited to hear that because, I mean, when that movie comes out, we should just do a... We should almost do a live podcast where we sit down and watch The Room with everyone else that has never seen it. Yeah, we watch The Room first together, and then we'll go watch that movie. That could be an experience. uh, If anyone out there hasn't seen The Room, the world's worst movie... You really should, and I would. I, I would even say if you have if you have the interesting and very, um, I would say jealousy evoking opportunity to watch the room for the first time at a room screening. Do it. Do that. I've been to late night midnight showings of the room. It's amazing, but I'm just saying if you get to do it as your first time and the lunacy that's happening in those theaters, it's fantastic. 
Yeah, Tim, Gary you, would know this as a aficionado of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. He uh, he knows about midnight showings. I've been to a few midnight showings of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. My fiance is a huge fan of Rocky Horror. Do you dress up? I didn't dress up. She did. That movie is very overrated. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan. I get why people like it, though. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's, 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 can uh, it be yeah. overrated, though? I think it's just... Do, people don't ever really talk about how much of a quality film it is. Well, they just say it's... Put it this way. It's, it's over, like the cult film. It's overrated by people who really, really love it, but to the rest of the world, no one cares. Yeah. Like, they've never seen it. I just don't think I've ever had it sold to me as like, oh, my God, you have to see this movie. Its quality is so high. Point. It's just you have to see this movie. It's an experience. It, it's one of those films that people will not tell you to watch it or not watch it until they know you a little bit yeah. and think that maybe this meshes up with, like, sort of the weirdness that you would like. Yeah. Now, it feels like it should be in my wheelhouse for, like, weird stuff that I like. It's just not. Yeah. You're saying you don't like to go to movies where people throw toast at the screen? I mean, I go to movies where people throw spoons at the Spoon! screen. Like, bring it full circle at the room screenings. You just throw spoons at the screen instead. Or throw a football back and forth with each other. I lost my football one night. It was worth it, though. No, definitely worth it. You go buy, like, a Nerf ball yeah. work out just as fine. Tim, do you have any cult movies? Because I still think my favorite cult movie, because it is one of my favorite movies, is Spinal Tap. Like, people haven't seen Spinal Tap, which is, is that, crazy. Is that a cult movie? Yeah, Spinal Tap is a cult movie. Like... So are all the Christopher Guest movies cult movies then? Well, Spinal Tap is probably the biggest. I mean, that's not technically a Christopher Guest movie. It's a Rob Reiner movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, Christopher but of Guest, course he's one of the main characters. Chris, so Christopher Guest movies came along two decades later, and there was a string of them. But, like, people haven't seen those movies. You so would you say the, there's more people that know those characters from that one Simpsons episode than that actual movie? Potentially. Probably, yeah. I mean, it's been passed around. It's, it's like a splash show. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, my vision. <laughs> Um, Good night, There shall be no encore. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, Spinal Tap's been passed around enough that people have seen it. Yeah. But it's not, like, a widely seen thing. No. And then when you start getting into Best in Show or Waiting for Guffman or A Mighty Wind, like, people have just... A Mighty Wind is very funny. And, and, for but, Durham. Put it this way. If you've seen... I mean, well, it, was, it wasn't called Home for Porn. It was called no, uh, it's Free Your Consideration. Called, I can't remember what the heck that one was, that, that's about. That was the worst one of the four. But totally. if people have seen one of them, they've seen all of them. Yeah. So it's not like people are just popping in and out of the Christopher Guest world. True. <laughs> That's a very fair point. But like Spinal Tap is, I mean, my rating scale for movies is obviously way different than everyone else. I'd put it as top five comedy ever. Well, it's in some ways because it like inaugurates a whole genre of movie making. For nothing else, it deserves to be that high. I wouldn't even say it brought in, it fostered a new wave of movie making. I would say it was, I mean, I think Fellini did movies, like mockumentary-style movies, before Spinal Tap came It really is the premier mockumentary. And it fostered the new wave of TV that we see over, let's say, movies. Because there haven't really been a lot of mockumentary movies. You have all the guest ones, you have Borat, and a whole bunch of crappy ones. But, like, Arrested Development is shot documentary-style. You know what I mean? The Office is shot the same way. Parks and Rec is shot the same way. So I feel like it may have had a bigger influence on TV than maybe movies. Okay, I think I, I, think I buy that argument. Does anyone uh, know why, to, to really branch off, just because you mentioned Arrested Development and Ron Howard, I've been trying to figure this out. Does anyone know why? Oh, Tim's big on this. Why, Chris, why, on this. why Lloyd and Miller got thrown off of the Han Solo movie to bring are, in Ron Howard? Are you Howard? just trying to get me worked up? No, or? Garion doesn't know about how much I, I you don't, hate this. Yeah, what, oh, I'm so what side of this are you this on? Is... Kathleen Kennedy only knows about good movies because she happened to be lucky enough to hang around with, uh, with Spielberg. On her own, I'm very skeptical about her. T- she was probably the one who encouraged him to make the Flintstones movie and encouraged him to make uh, uh, War of the Worlds. Like, that just seems like what her influence on his film choice would be. 
Uh, well, you, you realize there's no basis for that whatsoever. You're just projecting that onto her. Sure. Okay. <laughs> but look at the movie. Lord and Miller have, unlike her, actually been creative and made movies on their own, which are pretty good. Yeah, I'm saddened by this news. I, I was looking forward to seeing what they were going to do with nah, this. They, they peaked at Clone High. It's Which is not a bad thing to peek at. It's an objectively funny movie. I've never talked to a single soul who's seen that movie and said anything bad about it. Lego movie? The Lego movie's really smart. I agree. Yeah, it's I a really Lego intelligent movie. movie, the way it's constructed. 22 Jump Street for a sequel is actually pretty funny. Uh, I never saw Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, but I know people, particularly people who have kids, who say that's actually a really, really it's good a fine movie. So these people know film? what they're doing, and I am skeptical that Mrs. Kennedy doesn't. And I'll trust Lord Miller over her. And they bring Ron Howard in to do a Star Wars movie. That is going to be so like awful. It'll just be, what, Apollo 13 with Han Solo involved? Like, oh, come on. Well, here's the thing that you have to understand about these movies. They don't want to take a bath on any of these movies. So they they can't, can't take a bath on them. They could. They could run a blank screen for three hours, and it would make a hundred. It would make nine hundred million dollars. So, speaking to that point, there is, from their perspective, and how big of a cash cow that the Star Wars franchise is for Disney, that they don't want to step too far out of the boundaries to maybe make something a bit weird. Well, we would probably love it as mm-hmm. us. Yeah, the majority of people want something a bit more conservative and cookie cutter, which I'm frankly shocked that you're not all about, Tim. So, you bring in two people that have a lot of experience making big-budget movies and making sure that, for the most part, that they do not go wrong. Yes. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, so you bring in the Shepherds with this, and, like, listen, Ron Howard is probably not the greatest. Like, Trevorrow to do the next real Star Wars, and he's been on nothing but... He's done nothing but wasted his money on movies. No, I mean, well, Trevorrow did what? The last... He did the last Jurassic Park, did he not? Yeah, and... That was okay. Yeah, but he showed, say, but he made money on that franchise. And he showed that he could handle a gigantic budget movie, make money off of it, and make it so it's watchable. Like there's, right, there's so, there's, Maybe I'm wrong on There is then. so okay. much money to be lost simply from the production element and not going... Because you go over budget on a Star Wars movie, you're not yeah. $3 million over budget. No. You're now $300 million over budget. I'm just curious because, like, I know, was it the Black Panther trailer came out a couple days ago, and that's like a Ryan Coogler... Marvel movie, which could be really cool. Great googly moogly. <laughs> googly moogly. <laughs> anyway, that would be my thought process on why Ron Howard is now yeah, directing. I get. Well, I just wasn't. I wasn't sure if there wrong. was a definitive reason choice, that is broken as to why they were doing. fired. I agree that uh, Lord Miller probably know what they're doing, but they maybe they saw they ended up seeing the finalized script of this and being like, you know what, this isn't exactly what we want. Yeah. Okay. I, I, again, I was just kind of fishing if there was Star an actual. I don't think so. Like an exhibit A. This this was the definitive breaking point of why they got fired. Well, it just sort of like popped up. It's like, oh, I didn't even hear that they were in like a turmoil situation. Well, is Donald Glover playing Lando in that movie? Yes. So they probably just wrote him like his character from Tim's most hated show, Atlanta. I've never seen the show. I have no opinions on it. You hate it. I have no opinions on it. I haven't seen it. Well, the last time we talked about it, it was your least favorite show of all time. No, I mean, I'm sure it has to be overrated, but I haven't I'm seen sure it. I'm sure it must be worse than it It must been be worse than to be. people are talking I, about it like it's I, I, I love it. I'm dubious about show. it, but I haven't seen it, so I have no idea. I'll say he's view. definitively the worst character on his own show, but I think he kind of meant to write it I, that way. I think way. that's how he writes it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that'll do it for Volume 5 of Cast Corner. Cast Corner, it's Cast Corner. Cuss Corner, it's Cuss Corner He's got the hottest takes with the highest stakes He should be president of the United States But it's Cuss Corner, it's Cuss Corner Cuss Corner, hee 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 That's not my name
next time we come back, I can give a couple of movie reviews because I've seen some movies recently I got some hot takes about. Give me a 10-word review on the last movie you saw. I just watched Kong Skull Island. The is that your review? <laughs> I watched Yeah, four I, words left. It's on the poster. Five stars. I watched it. Cast. Uh, Kong is 100,000 stories tall, and it ruins the entire movie, and he's the least interesting animal on the That's island. That's too many words, sir. You're just jealous he's a big man, and you're not. Not well, enough I found out Jack that the whole Black. purpose of the movie is just a setup for Kong versus Godzilla, which also angered me that I wasted my time watching a setup movie. But anyway. Well, do you, they have the, like, in the sort of, like, Everything has to be a a world now in movies. You know they're doing these like uh, the Mummy movie was just a precursor for they're doing all these like monster movies now. Yeah, that yeah. that that that's only because Universal owns all the rights to the mummies to that's like correct. Dracula yeah. and all that. But they need they to get all these but, new rights. Yeah. Who, who was asking for that? I'm just bad. It's Tom Cruise and not Brendan Fraser. And Tim's upset that Russell Crowe's too fat in the movie. Well, I mean, he couldn't be any less funny than he was in The Nice Guys. I, that's still that's one of that's your really, worst takes. It's a ever. really good movie. It's not a good movie. You're the only person that I've met that has seen that movie that doesn't like it. Okay, well, whatever. Cast! You're cast! That was Tim Undergust! Tim Undergust. I'm not cast. It's not my name. I bring the funny at Tim Anderson 87. Gary and Thorne. Where can people follow you on Twitter? Uh, At Gary and Thorne. Is the rotation, which you're on every day on the Fantasy Sports Network, anything like Cuss Corner? (laughs) No. (laughs) There oh, was one comment like the best thing uh, on I the saw a couple weeks ago days. that was just like, is it okay that I like Gary and more when he's not next to Pat? <laughs> like, probably. <laughs> I feel like you're in more of your element. <laughs> a little more serious than just using numbers there. And talking about baseball? And talking about baseball. Not conspiracy, conspiracy theories? theories? No. Or conspiracies, as I like to spell it? Yeah. I had it on my wall one time. Please. It was like Claire from uh, Homeland. First time I went to his place in Toronto, he just had stuff on the walls like Claire's board. Uh, I was convinced that there was a conspiracy with Sidney Rice that they didn't tell us or d- didn't talk about his injury because I kept him in my keeper league. And that's how they were no, going to suck the Brett Favre back. That's how they were going to coach Rice. Brett Favre wow. back out, of, out, of out of retirement to come back and play for the Vikings by not telling him how bad Sidney Rice was actually injured. I still believe that to be true. And I'm the crazy one. I kind of wish I had said at the end, and I'm the crazy one, because that's the sort of clip that could be taken out of context in a way I wouldn't appreciate. Even better. <laughs> yeah, that's not, not great. Wish, I wish I, wish I hadn't said. I feel like Milhouse when he says the least of what's a big sister for. I wish I hadn't said that. Oh my God, Kong Skull Island is bad. We're still recording. Oh, are we? Because you said, well, it's, Wait, you said it's goodbye. You said this goodbye. isn't a live show, Tim. What? This isn't a live show. I know, but you said goodbye, so I assumed it was over. It's just, I'm so angry that I wasted my time streaming this movie. How can you really waste your time when you're streaming a movie? It was bad. It was a bad movie. Kong is the least interesting animal on the whole island. He fights like dinosaurs, doesn't he? Dinosaurs and these big, massive, like, yaks or whatever they are. Yaks! Yakety yak, Tim! And, uh... Uh, John C. Riley talks about these massive ants that are on the island too, although we never see them. He he and John Goodman are the only redeeming parts of the whole movie. Well, John Goodman does star in Tim's favorite film, King Ralph. King Ralph is hilarious. Like <laughs> it, it is a laugh a minute comedy. It's a slapstick. I, I really thoroughly enjoy that movie. See, that movie would just be better if it was John C. Riley playing Reed Rothschild when he's super coked out trying to talk to Godzilla or King Kong. Like, well, how, this is how, what I'm concerned. How, about. how much do you lift? King Kong. We'll versus say it on Godzilla the count of three. The next movie. How in the name of God is Hong is sorry is King Kong 
going to defeat a lizard that breathes fire. How are they going to make a movie out of that? I mean, they're going to, and I'm going to go see it. But that doesn't mean I think it's going to be believable. They had to make – I looked this up. They had to make King Kong in this movie like a thousand times bigger than he is in the original movie, which is actually really good, the original, uh, to make this whole universe of uh, Kong and Godzilla work out. You know who likes the original versions of things? Like the 1933 Hong – or I don't know why I keep saying Hong Kong. The 1933 version of King Kong. Like he's big, but he's not the size he is on Kong Skull Island. Well, well maybe he was the same size. It's just Fay Ray was really small. <laughs> no, because you can – he's like the size of a building in this movie.